This is Mastering College to Career, and you are listening to How to Get an H-1B Job International STEM Student Edition, a podcast for international students and graduates looking for unique insights and strategies from industry thought leaders. All right, welcome to this episode of the podcast, and today I have an alumni, an international student, international STEM student alumni, sharing his story and what worked, what didn't kind of so that you guys can understand and, and come up with some actionable things that, you know, he wished he would have done differently and some of the things that he did right that he wished he would have doubled down on. So today I have Sharia Sethi with me today. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm doing good. So excited to be here. Yeah. Thanks for oh. having me over. No, no, no. Thank you. I know I came across, uh, I was tagged on your post on LinkedIn and as you know, like, you know, I specialize in, in mentoring and coaching international STEM students. And mm-hmm. as someone that went through that route yourself, uh, one of the things I did notice is that you're very active than usual on LinkedIn. You like books, like you're just like networking. And so that is something, you know, and this is my, my theory, my, my, here's my theory. And I want you to just agree or disagree. It can go mm-hmm. either way. It's, and don't be afraid to disagree with me on my <laughs> podcast. It's completely fine. Like open-minded. Um, go for it. Here's my theory and kind of why I ultimately narrow down to work with international STEM students. I've noticed that generally speaking, right, international students, specifically international students from India are technically speaking, very smart and even Mm -hmm. smarter than their American peers. Now coming to a new, like, you know, in India, I would say it's more competitive in the STEM fields when you're in school. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, it's harder for you to stand out. And America has better opportunities in terms of the education, ultimately jobs after graduation. So there's a big demand of Indian STEM students mm-hmm. to come to America, um, which there's over one hundred and forty five thousand international STEM students from India currently in America. Right now, right. challenges that I notice as I spoken to thousands and helped hundreds of international STEM students from India and just in general. Right. It's going back. Technically speaking, brilliant, right? Most mm-hmm. of the higher degrees, masters, and PhDs are from international students. But the skill that they've lacked is, is the soft skills, right? The networking skills. And then when you add the complexity of being in a new country with a new culture, not having those family relationships or connections or friendships from childhood because they're coming in and they're kind of newer to the country, just makes it harder. And and, and, and that's what I've noticed. And I, and I know, and it's intimidating to network, let alone network with strangers. But when you do that, you unlock opportunities. But what are your thoughts on that theory? Right. I would say like, I agree to that like statement 100%. Uh, and like, also like when it comes to like, you know, as you said that people from India, they usually come and like apply for like heavy technical roles. And uh, for those sort of roles, historically, uh, you did not require a lot of networking to get into one of these roles. Like your technical prowess was like good enough to get you there. So people would like focus on like honing those like sort of hard skills. But like with the onset of like, you know, uh, sort of networking being democratized because everyone can reach out to anyone on LinkedIn and like, you know, that sort of stuff happening. People have like sort of realized that, you know, there are other ways and there are like easier ways or like how you can sort of get your foot into the door. So yeah, that's something I can relate to. Right. And so what made you focus more, like, and not that you didn't focus on the technical skills, I'm not taking, mm-hmm. I, and, and to be honest, I'm not sure how much focus you put there, but I'm assuming you, you, you did obviously did some focus in there, 
But what ultimately you made you focus on an more above average amount of time compared to other international students in the side of networking? What what the what value did you see? Right. Yeah. So like I I can just like share my story like when yeah. I was at N, like when I was at NYU like I did two internships. Uh, like the first one was like a summer internship when I was like looking for a software engineering role. Uh, I just like heard it from my seniors that you know you just have to make a good resume and like apply to hundreds of roles like if not every day just like apply to twenty roles every day and then just do that for a span of like six months you'll probably get like a couple of interviews and then you'll uh, get an internship right that was the way that was suggested and that's what I ended up doing like you know just like uh, having something on the background just like watching a TV show just like applying to uh, online jobs and like months went by. Uh, before I heard anything back and like, you know, and then once you don't hear anything back, it sort of gets depressing in the sense that, you know, you don't get any feedback, like, you know, are, is your resume not good enough? Like, you know, what, what's happening? Like, why aren't you making any progress? Uh, and then I, I just like realized that, you know, this is like not the right way sort of to look for uh, roles uh, because like, I'm not learning anything new. So like, even if like four months went by, and say, I don't have any interview. Uh, if I'm just applying online, I'm essentially like back to square one, right? Uh, so I, I knew that the next time I'm gonna like look for roles, I'm gonna uh, like, you know, change my approach and like start reaching out to people. Uh, now, now the switch, uh, the other thing that happened was like uh, the sec, like, but, but the conclusion to the first thing was that I eventually after like thousand plus applications, I did get one interview. I was able to crack it. And then I got a summer internship. Uh, so plain up, cold applying mass, it, it works. The second thing was like, when I was like looking to get into like another field, when I was decided that I want to break into product management, I started like networking and reaching out to people. The value in that was that firstly, A, I wanted to learn about like where, like how these people were able to like get where they were uh, because like the path to product management is like not that linear in terms of like, as compared to like say a software engineer. So A, it was just like sort of reaching out to people to learn from their stories. And then the second thing was like, when I started reaching out to people uh, to get an internship, uh, I realized that, you know, even if I'm like not getting a referral out of the conversation, I sort of uh, learned so much with our, like during those conversations and built such strong relationships that I realized that even if I don't end up getting an internship, this is so much valuable for the long run because I'm going to be looking for a job like a year from now. I'm going to be looking for probably another job two years from now. So investing in like making long-term relationships was something that I uh, really learned. And that's why I resorted to that. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And I think it's that the amount of times I hear international students use the strategy that you said, hey, I'm going to apply. A thousand is a lot, right? But most people easily do 100, 200, 300 applications. And um and here's my problem with that strategy. So there's a couple of things that if you're listening to, uh, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, I actually have a, a recording of this webinar that I created on the three biggest myths that international students make. One of them is that applying for hundreds of jobs is, is the fastest and best way of getting it. And I, and I, and I disagree with that. Uh, and, and, and what I want you guys to think about this is like, one, not every company is willing to sponsor your H-1B. Less than 40% of companies sponsor. And even the 40% of companies that do sponsor, they don't sponsor for every role, right? So mm -hmm. not everybody sponsors somebody, a level entry role. So now, so, so that's one thing. So if you're just applying to companies just to apply, uh, even if it's an internship, most companies still ask, will you now or in the future require sponsorship? And you, if you say yes, because that's what you should say, 
right? Mm -hmm. Then you're automatically kind of disqualified, not because they don't like you or anything. It's just they're not willing to sponsor you. So they don't want to waste your time. They don't want to waste their time and so on. So just understanding whether the company sponsors or not will save you at least 60% of your time, right? The second thing is too, when the internet, right, has made it so easy for you to apply, right? You can go and apply to a thousand companies in a semester where, but because of that, so can everybody else. Right. And because of that, companies now get hundreds of applications when there's only one spot available. And the challenges that companies have is filtering through those applications. So companies have to utilize technology to be able to try to identify who those candidates are. And so they use software called applicant tracking systems that, that necessarily says like, hey, like no, a human doesn't see your application. Some companies, no one sees your application. Some's doing, and then some, a recruiter sees your application. But what it does is still tries to help the recruiter make more efficiencies on this and who they should interview because they can't interview 300 people. Like it would be impossible, right? Or they'll, or they'll do some sort of filters, whether it's assessments, technical assessments or other different things that come along that way. And so that's where I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here to kind of like willing to bet you that visibility is mm -hmm. more important than ability when it comes to landing your first job. Now you still need, you still need some sort of technical know-how. Like I'm not taking, I'm not, I'm not saying you don't, right? But nine out of 10 international students that I meet, the reason why you're not getting a job is not because you need more experience. It's not because you need more technical know-how. What are your right. thoughts? Yeah, so I'll, I'll like, you know, a lot to unpack there. Uh, I would just start with, you know, like why uh, this is like such a common strategy to just like mass apply is that it sort of gives you an instant gratification that, you know, mm -hmm. you're doing something productive by like, you know, putting yourself out there, like your application out there. And then uh, why networking feels like a chore is that there are no instant results, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a long-term play. Like even if you sort of like reach out to hundred people right now, like today itself, uh, the time that you hear back from someone and then like the time that you'll actually have a conversation with someone could easily end up taking a month, right? So that's why like people resort to it and cold applications still work for sure. Like, you know, I have so many friends like who've gone interviews, like even I've gone interviews, but the thing is it's the most brute force way of solving a problem. Like that's the term that we use in like software engineering. It's like the, like the most, like the most, like the worst way of essentially solving a problem. Right. So it works, but that, that's, like that's not, that should not be your only yeah. strategy. It's not, it's inefficient. Right. Uh, and then in terms of like what you said about the visibility versus like the, uh, like, you know, like the ability, yeah, ability. Yeah. Uh, I like 100% agree to it because like it happens to us all the time. Like if you see that, you know, your friends are getting into like an internship or like your friends are getting a role, like, you know, it's very common for you to think that, you know, I probably know as much as my friend, but like, you know, it's just like being there at the right place at the right time. Right. Like it's very easy for us to like, you know, sort of comfort ourselves uh, by, by like thinking that and it, that could be true but but that being said like the person like who's visible the most uh, so for example like uh, why I started like writing content on LinkedIn and like what that has done for me I, I like I can go into that uh, like it, like the first time like I wrote uh, like something on LinkedIn was literally just me venting out like uh, a recruiter like sort of uh, like you know postponed my interview by a week and then uh, like after the interview was supposed to, like before the interview was right, supposed to happen, like just like 10 minutes before the recruiter said that, you know, sorry, we hired someone else. And uh, like, whatever, like the interview is canceled. And, you know, I literally just like went it out on LinkedIn that, you know, 
not hiring people is fine but like why do you have to waste people's time like that right because uh, researching for a role takes a lot of effort as well uh, and and then and then i was like surprised to see that you know there were so many people who could like you know relate to the experience and then said that a similar thing has happened with them and you know it just first a it makes you realize that you know it's it's nothing personal like you know people are not out there to get you which is really important because it's a very easy well, like you know it's very easy to think that that's the case and second writing content about the, like for example like when i wanted to break into product management i just like started writing about like what has my interview experience been like so far and like that sort of stuff and it just attracted so many like minded people that it was not like i did like naively enough i just started writing because i heard that if you write on linkedin there are very few people who write on linkedin and it'll just get you a job somehow so that was the nice strategy that i just like thought that if i write start writing i'll get a job but it was so far from the truth and but i'm so glad i started because uh, for example like once once i started writing about product management i found all these great aspiring product managers where we could like do mock interviews together where we could help each other out and then uh, you know and then that that's really invaluable that you don't have to go and look out for these people but like people like that they like sort of come to you yeah no i i i love it and i think um everything you're saying just makes so much sense right and and it's interesting. One of the things that really kind of stood out that you just said to me is like when you vented out after the interview, like after like your interview was postponed and it's just something about human nature that we feel like we're the only ones going through that, whether it's the, the obstacles and challenges that you go through as, uh, as you're going through the job search, or even like for me, uh, as I start, I've been doing this business full time now for four years and, and the journey that that has been and, and the mental health issues like the imposter syndrome that we deal with, it reminded me a lot of mm -hmm. what it was when I was looking for a job when I was in college. Right. And it's like, it's so common, right? And so like to think that you're the only one getting these rejections or to think that you're this cancellation and last minute interview only happens to you. And when you share it on LinkedIn, you realize that it's so common, right? I think it's really important for anybody listening to understand like, hey, the job search process is a roller coaster. There's ups and downs, right? There's wins, you've... You, and so I just think it's just making sure that you're just arming yourself with the right strategies and it, and, and understand that there's multiple ways to success, right? Like you could apply to a thousand companies and you couldn't get a job at Google, or you could network and not apply to any and get a referral and get a job at Google, or you could do a mix of both. Like, but, I, but I, I think it's just important is finding the right strategy that works for you and understanding the pros and cons with each strategy, because there are pros and cons to each strategy. 100% and and you know like that's why like you know whenever like so I'm a very big advocate for like networking and then you know like mentorship obviously but like whenever I like suggest people that I always tell them to you know keep applying like coldly because like as I said earlier like the payoff when you start networking it, it takes a lot of time so if you're an international student and you feel like you're graduating just like in a few months networking probably might not be the best way to like solely rely on so that's why like when it comes to networking right like uh dig your well before you're thirsty is a great motto when it comes to networking right as early as you can and like because once you start networking when you just want to learn from someone once you want to like you know understand how someone got to where they were and sort of like you know from you approach networking from that mindset that's when you can really form like connections and that's where you can really form like meaningful relationships rather than you know having like transactional relationships so yeah a mix of both and also depends on like which stage of like uh, job hunting you are yeah absolutely like, i think if you have time right planting the seeds you have the time to be able to uh you know pick up the, the harvest right but if you don't have time whether you graduate this may 
So relying solely on networking is not going to work. In that scenario, I would suggest apply. But then once you apply, try to network with people that worked it to get your application visibility. Because at that point, all you're trying to get is to the interview. And so like if you do apply, for example, I, I was working with a client. She's a mechanical engineer. Uh, and we found a job opening for Amazon in the ring, mm -hmm. ring, like ring, like the doorbell right. ring, yep, the Amazon yep. product, right? Mm -hmm. So she, I was like, go ahead, apply, right? But what we want to do is go on LinkedIn and see people who work in that, in, in that, in, in, in that project. Right. So ring, mm -hmm. Amazon ring, mechanical engineer, right? Because there's probably 50 of them. Like the team is not a thousand, like, or, mm -hmm. or tens of thousands of engineers that work at Amazon. And then start networking with them and get your application visibility to then get you. So it's like, it's obviously the strategy di will differ time depending on how much time you have and, and how much network you have and, and so many different factors. But the idea to me is like most international students are not networking at all. And if they are, they're networking only with recruiters. And I, and I would right. say, Hey, like recruiters are not the, like, it's not that you shouldn't message recruiters. I would just suggest, you network with people who are in the department that you want to work for. So more of the engineers, like more of the people who have the job that you want, because one, you have way more in common with them. And two, they actually have uh, the ability, they have a more, ultimately they're the decision makers on whether you get the job or not. 100%. Like, you know, I couldn't agree more on this one because like, this is something that like, you know, whenever I'm interacting with people, like I say this uh, themselves because people are like, you know, we've tried to like network a lot with recruiters, but we just don't hear back. And like, even though like, you know, it's very easy to like sort of demonize all recruiters, but the problem, like if like, you know, if you think about the other side is that like recruiters are literally incentivized to help you out. Right. Because that, that's like, that's how their incentives work. But then like, because these recruiters and especially at like famous companies, they just get like inundated with so many messages that they just cannot like physically like take out the time to help you out. So if you're like looking, like if you're a software engineer sort of looking to get into like a, like that so software engineering position, if you're a student, I would suggest like reaching out to people like who are in those functional departments, as you said, because A, you will have so much to in common to talk to them about. B, they can like directly guide you in terms of like how to prepare for the interview since they have those roles. And C, uh, they can connect you to the hiring manager. So this is something that I've had to explain to people a lot because there's like, uh, there's like essentially a difference between like recruiters and like hiring managers. So hiring managers are just the people who you will work under and they have the direct hiring or like firing authority, right? So your goal should be to get your resume in front of the hiring manager, right? Now, the next question is like, how do I do that? So the best place is to be that the best thing to do is to reach out to people in those departments. And then once you build a good rapport, you can like the best ways to try to, you know, ask them to like sort of uh, what's the best way to proceed. And that, that's yeah. the easiest way of like, even if it's a no, the good thing is that you'll get to know whether you're not a good fit within a week. You don't have to wait it out. Yeah. And, and, and you're so right. And one of the things I tell is really important is that you odds are you have more in common with them than you do with the recruiter, right? 100%. And when you, and if you're an international student, I would purposely look for people who are on their H1B that know exactly what you're going through. And they, they're going to want to help you even more because they remember what it was like to be in your shoes. Um, and so definitely, uh, and, and you're not going to see people who are in an H1B working as a recruiter. Cause like that's no one's sponsoring for those roles. So that's not going to happen. So you're not going to see them. Most people who work in, in, in are recruiters 
uh, have a business background or, or a humanities background or an English background. It's not a, a technical background. And, and so for that and many other reasons, I think like if you have a priority who you should network with, number one, the manager of the department. So like who is the senior there? If second best person to network to me are the people who would be your coworkers, like people who have the same jobs, uh, the people who have the same type of jobs that you're applying for. Because if you're looking for like, especially if you're applying for like a fan company or a man company, I don't know what you call it now that it's called Meta. Um, <laughs> there's thousands of people that have the same job. There's just different departments. So there's so many different opportunities. And, 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 and just because you get rejected from one doesn't mean you get rejected from all of them. Right, for sure. And I, I, and I think the latest is Manga, if I'm not wrong, like that's the new What is it called? Uh, Manga, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. yeah the latest is that. Uh, but yeah, and, and you know, like, and the other thing like, uh, like that could help is that, you know, the percentage of like how much you should cold apply versus like, when should you try to network is that, you know, if you feel like there's a role that, you know, you're uniquely positioned to do or like there's a role that you feel that, you know, you might be a really good for, I would say that, you know, that's the time when, you know, you should like try to like reach out to as many people as you can in the in the company. Uh, I, I'll just like give you an example. So uh, like, well, like as I said, like when I was trying to break into product management, right? So there were like, and I did not, like this was my first full-time role. So I like qualified for very entry-level PMs who did not require any experience. And there were like very few of them if you weren't looking at like big tech companies because uh, of the people that like, who want to hire APMs, but like do not require any experience, right? And then whenever I used to find those sort of opportunities, like if it was like a 2000 employee company, I would reach out to like, if there are 50 product managers, I would sort of reach out to each and every one of them, right? So uh, one of the interviews that I ended up getting, like I, I ended up getting an offer for one of the companies. And, uh, you know, I, I, I asked the chief product officer that, you know, like, why are you like, you know, uh, like if I don't have any experience, like, you know, why did you decide to like bet on me? And he literally told me this, that, you know, I found out that, you know, you reach out to each and every one in the company. And I, I sort of thought that's like a bad thing. But then he was like, that means that, you know, we know that if we're going to give you a work, you have the resolve to sort of, you know, go and get it done. So if it's a smaller company, the more you reach out to people, the more your chances are that people would know that you've taken effort to sort of reach out and it really pays off. Yeah, like what, you just said something, right? Like there's this perception of if I reach out um, too much, I'm annoying. Or if I do too much research on the person before I have a call with them that I'm stalker or that if I follow up too much that I'm annoying, Right. And I will tell you, it's actually the complete opposite, right? And if you think about this right now, anytime a company hires, they're making an investment, right? Mm -hmm. They're saying, hey, if I'm going to pay you $100,000, I can't use that money for marketing. I can't use that money for equipment. I can't use that money for software. I can't use that money to pay the electricity, right? It's, it's because I'm expecting to generate for either to hire you to either save me or make me over $100,000 or, or whatever it is that I'm paying you as an example, right? So you doing that and reaching out to all 50 prod program manager or product managers at that company just shows that you're a good investment, that you have the work ethic, that you really want to work there. It shows your drive. And I don't know about you, but that's who I would want to invest in, right? And so it's the same thing what your, your, your manager said. Same thing with information that's on LinkedIn. Like if they put that information out there, it's because they want you to know that. Uh, and then third thing is follow up. People are busy right? Just because your priority is to get a job 
their priority is not necessarily to get you a job, but doesn't mean that they don't want to help you. And so I always have you think about this. Like if an, if a student, if a college student in India wanted some, some advice, wanted to, to speak to you to, to get some advice on how to come to the United States and study here, would you make time for them? And the odds are, is like, if you're listening to this, you're going to say yes. And, and what I'm trying to tell you is that when you graduate college, you don't become a jerk. You still want to help people. The problem is you just don't have as much time. So you have to follow up. So I would say not only network, but if they don't reply right away, follow up, follow up, follow up. 100%. Uh, and you know, like th those are great points. And uh, like, you know, the, I, I've read like a lot of content on LinkedIn where uh, like job seekers are actually like not following up on purpose because it sort of makes them feel like sort of too desperate that they want this role. And I was like, like, that's the worst thing that I've ever read because I'll, I'll just give you a small example. Like, because, you know, like when you were interview versus like when you're an interviewee, right? So like a small example would be just that, you know, when I was like, uh, like, like at a hiring role in like one of my student clubs at NYU. And then I just interviewed like five mere five people for the role because like I was graduating. Uh, like, you know, every conversation was good. Like, uh, but, but like after two days, I could hardly remember, like I could not put the content to the faces of people who hired, uh, like who, who talked to me. But then uh, like there was this one person like who you sort of followed up. And then I was like, you know, after like a week, I could only remember that person who sort of followed up with me because it like really shows that, you know, you yeah. won the gig and, you know, and it, it just pays off. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. This is awesome. So let me ask you one final question as we wrap this up. Like, what advice do you have to someone that's, you know, trying to get a job in the next three months to six months and are currently not using any networking at all? Right. Uh, like, you know, like, it, it, like, firstly, it would like depend on like the sort of role that you're looking, for example, like, you know, if you're looking for a very heavy technical role, such as like software engineering, the paths to get there is like pretty linear. Like I'm not saying it's easy, but like it's linear in terms of like, you know, what you need to do. Uh, but like, it depends on the sort of role. Uh, in terms of like specifics, like how, what could be done, I would just say that, you know, reaching out to your seniors, like people who were at the same school is like the biggest help that like that, you know, the people can get because, you know, they've sort of been there and done that. And like, that's actually how I got my role as well. Like the, the job that I'm working at, I literally just, reach out to an NYU alum. And then I was talking about, uh, it was an, it's supposed to be an informational interview, but then like, I wanted to learn more about like a product management position open at that particular company. And then, you know, through talking, uh, like, you know, uh, they just mentioned that, you know, they were hiring for this role that I never applied for. And they thought that I should interview for it. And that's literally how I got into the role that I'm working on right now. I never applied for it. I was just out there talking to my seniors, out there talking to people. And that's how it came my way. And like, I'm loving it so far. So put yourself out there, write content on LinkedIn. Uh, just uh, try to attend as many things as you can and try to have as much visibility as you can because sometimes it, like, things have a funny way of working out if you like, you know, put yourself out there. So, and, and, and like, in the end, like I would just conclude by saying that, you know, if it's taking longer for you to find the role and it seems like you're doing all the right things, then just keep going. But like, make sure that, you know, you're optimizing at every step. You're learning at every step of what can be better. And in the end, like, you know, rejection is just redirection. Love it. Love it. This is amazing. Uh, what's the best way if somebody wants to connect with you? Is it through LinkedIn or is it what's the best way to connect with you? Right. Yeah. So I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. Uh, like feel free to reach out, you know, like if there's anything I can do on like, you know, a capacity of like 
providing a referral at my current company, like doing a resume review, or even like making like you know helping you connect with like my connections. Like I'm happy to do that as well. Amazing! You're so this is awesome. This has been an amazing conversation. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. And if you're listening, thank you so much for listening. And catch you guys on the next episode. You have been listening to How to Get an H1B Job International STEM Student Edition. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. If you use Apple Podcast, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating of the show. And if you're listening through Spotify, give us a quick follow to ensure you never miss an episode. And we will catch you guys next week.